0: Alliance of Women Filmmakers, this is Visionary Voices, behind-the-scenes conversations with groundbreaking women and non-binary filmmakers from around the world. I'm Diana Means.
1: Me nice. Hello,
0: everyone, and thanks for tuning in today. We are talking to director Serena Bio about her film, Someone to Carry You, which is an official selection of the Los Angeles Women's International Film Festival. In Someone to Carry You, a woman receives an unexpected text from her childhood best friend that causes her to reminisce about the ups and downs of adolescence and meeting her first real soulmate, Laura Lee. Serena, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I loved your film. Watching it took me back to when I met my first real friend who I shared my creativity with. And it was the first time that I felt special and that I felt seen and heard. So thank you so much for bringing me back to those memories
1: and making this film. Oh, I love that so much. That's exactly what I wanted from it. So that makes me so happy. (laughs) What inspired you to make this film? So it's basically a love letter to my best friend growing up. It's about the first real friend that you meet that changes your life. You know, the one that sees you and supports you and encourages you to be exactly who you are. And really the inspiration came from... I hadn't spoken to her in a bit, which I don't know if you have friends like this, but you don't talk to them for months or years. And then as soon as you talk to them again, it's like nothing changed. You didn't miss a beat. You're exactly back where you were. And she texted me this video of girls hobby horsing. I don't know if you know what this is. <laughs> I do not. Okay. Okay. Well, please Google it for all the listeners, but it's kind of amazing. It's the act and art of riding a rudimentary toy horse. You know, those stuffed horse heads that on a stick that you used to ride around as a kid. And it's sort of like a female empowerment. And these girls, they, they race around on these horses and it's a competition. And I found it utterly amazing. And she was like, wouldn't we have been a part of this team growing up? And I was like, we absolutely would. And then I was just laughing, sitting next to my boyfriend, we were supposed to start watching something. And he was like, are are you good? You want to, you want to, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just kept laughing and kept laughing because we were just reminiscing about the weird clubs we used to have, the weird things we used to do. And I was like, oh gosh, I miss this girl so much. And what an important part of my life that I wish I had like a time capsule that like we we buried a time capsule as as best friends do, but one that was like with imagery. And so I thought, why don't I make this a short? And it'll be about my particular story. But hopefully other people will remember that person in their life that made them feel special, that made them feel seen. That made them feel like they mattered in this world and they could be exactly who they are. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, that is exactly how it came
0: across for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that so many people that see this film will have those same memories because we all have our first best friend and those great memories. Talk to us a little bit about your casting and how you found
1: these uh, two cute kids. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there's two different versions Of us, I of course play myself, and my friend Renee Felice Smith plays Laura Lee as an adult. But the two younger girls, um, we had a casting director. His name is Fred Warner, and he just put cast out a wide net because I don't look super super unusual. But but it, it it was a little bit hard to find exactly what I was looking for because you know we go through phases in our life, different changes, and I wanted. To accurately represent that, at least for me and Laura. And so we wanted the little girls to have a very distinct look of exactly how we looked when we were five. And then we wanted them to look exactly how we looked when we were 12, which is very different. And we just watched tons of, of auditions. And the little girl who ended up playing me the youngest, her name's Nora Harriet AOC, she blew me away was the sweetest girl. I sent a picture of her to my mom. And she was like, is this... what? Where is this from? And I was like, it's not me. It's a different girl. (laughs) She just looked so much like me that my mom thought that I found a picture and she didn't know where we were because she didn't remember the photo. So she was actually in Ohio. And she came out for the shoot. And then she ended up moving here. And the little girl who plays Laura Lee she, uh, Morgan Weir, they're now best friends. And sometimes I don't even know what to do with that information because it just feels like so full circle. I want to make a story about that now. (laughs) But they were just incredible. And then the other, like the sort of pre-pubescent versions of us were just these other fantastic girls. And they were all found by Fred Warner. Well, that was some amazing casting because now that I'm seeing you face to face, I would think that you were that little girl. That was (laughs) spot on. I know she, Oh my gosh. She's so sweet. They're all doing so well. Of course they are. You know, we shot this before the pandemic and I had wanted to get it out there as quickly as possible. But then as you know, as I'm sure you've experienced the hardship of trying to do your film festival at all, much less in person, I wanted to be able to be together with everyone when we put this out. But then I was like, too much time is passing. And I got to get it out there. So at least now we're able to see them online, which wasn't a thing before. So I'm really grateful for that. Especially with kids, they change
0: and morph mm-hmm. so quickly. So by the time you, we were going to get in person, depending on
1: how long this pandemic lasts, you know, you could have three teens on the stage. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it would be too long. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad it's now getting out there. And do you do any acting yourself? Yes, uh, that's mainly what I do, and I'm now writing more. But this. I I just really wanted to direct something and I wanted to see if I was capable of doing it and I wanted to take a really special story that was really close to my heart because I thought that's something no one else can do this is my story it's it's my thing so if I can do this then maybe I can feel confident enough to direct other things so I just I I sat and I and I wrote out the script and I texted my friend Laura and I was like, remind me of that weird club that we had with the screwdrivers. And she was like, yeah, vampire club. The, the screwdrivers were knives and we used to throw them into the dirt in the ground like we were vampire hunters. And I was like, right, right, right. Okay, cool, cool. So I just like kept reminding myself of these weird things we used to do and wrote the script. And interestingly, the hobby horsing was supposed to be part of the short. But when I finished, I looked at it and there was something missing. Mm-hmm. And to me, the personalization of this story was gone. And I I couldn't figure out what it was missing. So I asked my mom if she could find any of our old home videos of me and Laura. We used to do home videos all the time. And she sent me one and I was like, this is what it's missing. It's not the hobby horsing video. It's me and Laura... Young, doing the weird things we used to do. That's what I should be watching on my phone as the text that she sends. So that changed everything for the story because, you know, I had shot this thing. I had spent all this money to shoot this thing and it wasn't what I intended it for it to be. And so it took a lot of thinking and agonizing and a little bit of crying over something that I thought was going to be really special. And it just didn't have what I was looking for. And so what it needed was literally just more us. And so once I put that in, I felt like the story really came together. And so I I hope that that comes across. It definitely
0: came across. Now you talked about how much money you spent on the film. How did you come up with the budget for the film?
1: Yeah, um, well, the budget itself... I wasn't really sure how much it was going to cost. I knew that I wanted to have a playground and I knew I was going to need a permit for that. I wanted to work with a crew and DP and everything that I trusted. And I had a DP, Johnny Durango. I've worked with him before and he's lovely. And I sent him the script and he was like, I'd love to work on this. I'd love to figure out how to do some fun stuff with the younger versions of you so that it looks like nineties. And so he, he hopped on board and. With the help of his crew that he likes to work with, we were able to like figure out a deal with that. And he had his own camera. So that was really helpful. But then I I hired a, a line producer to help just budget out everything else because as an actor, that's not something I have ever had the brain for. Like I, I never had to think about those things or the fact that you would need permits for certain things. And so I was able to find a school that gave me a really good deal and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot everything in my house, and I'm going to buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. And my friend and writing partner, fellow actress, and also producer of this short, Chrissy Fit, also helped as well. And we just like put all of our funds together to figure it out, and and we did, you know. But it but those those little things add up. It is not cheap <laughs> to make anything,
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely adds up. It sounds like you funded this primarily yourself. Did you do any crowdsourcing?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I fully believe in that. And maybe for for a bigger project, I would have done something like that or asked, but I really just wanted to try to do this on my own and, and see if it was possible. And I didn't know if it was going to be something that I was just going to like end up watching with just Laura at some point, um, as like a love letter to her. But then once it was over, I was like, no, I really want to try and, and show this to people because I, I want them to, I, I want them to, when they're done watching it, I want them to just think about that one friend that changed their life. And if they have, if they talk to them every day, amazing. If they, Talk to them a few times every other year. Great. If they haven't talked to them at all, I hope it encourages you to pick up the phone and call your best friend. And with this, I would love to like expand it a little bit more and tell more of our stories because I was only able to tell like three specific things from our past. And I just think it would be fun to have a show about that. Sort of like a pen 15 kind of thing, but adults aren't playing the kids. (laughs) Kids are playing kids. But it's weird like that, you know? And Pen 15 is like such an inspiration because I don't know if you've seen it, but it is just a beautiful story of two weird best friends growing up, navigating the different phases in your life that are so difficult that if you don't have that person that sees you and knows you at your core, life is so much harder. And so I just, I just love things like that. And I hope I can make something more of this at some point.
0: Well, I hope you do because I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed seeing the kids as kids and then the preteens all the way up to the adult. So there's definitely more story there. So I hope yeah. that you go out and crowd fund or do whatever you need <laughs> <Yes>. to do. <laughs> Keep writing scripts. Now you're primarily an actress. So how mm-hmm. did it feel for you being behind the camera for a change? And is that something that you're definitely going to do more of?
1: You know, I... I really loved it. I, I'm not used to being involved in every facet of making something. And so that was very, very different down to like the clothes. I would go to thrift stores and I would look for, you know, something that looked 90s or to to put on the girls so that it would be authentic. I even, you know, my family kind of saves everything. So I was able to like all of the VHS tapes and all of that stuff. That the Magic Eight Ball, like all of that stuff, I I had my mom ship me because <laughs> we literally keep everything. And so I just wanted it to have that authentic feel, and that to me was really exciting. Those things and like coming up with hairstyles and and the makeup for the preteen stuff and like the music, you know, because I had mentioned before, like Alanis Morissette was just our everything, and so. My my partner was able to help us get five seconds of an Alanis song in the short, and that was just everything. It brought it all together. The things that were a little bit harder for me to wrap my head around were things like budget or figuring out permit things, and sort of the the more difficult things that when you're not when you don't have like a big budget to. A lot those specific tasks to the people that normally do it. So all of those things were hard. And then, you know, we shot over a weekend. And by the time I was done, I felt like my legs had been severed. Like <laughs> I just, I was exhausted. And I actually ended up getting sick after that uh, because I think I had just exhausted myself so much. So next time I will try to make sure that I don't do that. But I really did love it. And I, I love working with kids. I think they're just, you know, there's, there's just something about the way that they see the world that is so different from how adults see it. And I don't know if it's just, they're not as jaded or something, but they're just so open and excited and willing to make changes and do fun, interesting things and make interesting choices. And so I would love to work with kids again specifically. Now you spoke about the music that you were able to get into the short. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Well, luckily for me, my partner works in the music industry. So there were avenues that he was able to take that were like maybe a step above what just anybody looking to put certain types of music in in any sort of creative space. So that was definitely very helpful, but it wasn't necessarily easy. And you know, as it should be, the rights to certain things are very expensive. And so I wrote a love letter, basically to Alanis, and with the inroads that my partner has, he was able to get it to her and her team, and she read it, and I believe she watched it because we sent that as well. and I was just like, it's so you you changed our lives. you bonded us forever. We listened to Jagged Little Pill back to front. I still have the original CD. It is, we can't even listen to it. It's so scratched because we (laughs) listened to it so much. And I was like, it would just be so meaningful to have even just one second of one of your songs in here. And she said, yes. So like, I don't know. I just think that if you can figure out a way to speak from your heart in trying to get something that matters to you, you just have to try. And If she said no, that would have been okay and we would have figured out something else. But she said yes. And I, you know, we have, of course, a certain term that we can keep the song in there for. But for now, it's there and I'm very excited that we get to use it. Well, music
0: is usually a huge deal having to get the licensings for that. And I'm Mm -hmm. glad that you were able to get the song because it really ties it together and it really made everything very special. What's next for you?
1: So I am writing a script for Universal with my writing partner and my best friend that I met in college, who now lives out here, thank God for her, Natalie Morales, because she is the second person (laughs) ever to make me feel like a normal person, even though we're both very weird. And we're writing a script about growing up in Miami. It's this big family fun movie about a girl that goes back home and has to experience a baptism, a quincea, a wedding, and a funeral. And we just handed in our latest draft. So we're waiting to see what happens with that. But in the meantime, you know, just auditioning and trying to come up with fun new ideas of things to write and just, you know, living this weird life we get to live. Well, Serena, thank you
0: so much for joining us today. And I wish you continued success with your acting and the screenplay that you're working on. Are you originally from Miami?
1: I am. Yep. I am from Miami. Laura's from Miami. Natalie's from Miami. Something about that place. (laughs) It's like nothing else.
0: (laughs) That is very true. Well, thank you so much. Someone to Carry You screens Saturday, March 26 at 4 p.m. in the virtual presentation of the Los Angeles Women's International Film Festival. For tickets and a complete lineup, please visit LAWomensFest.com. Visionary Voices is produced by Diana Means, with editing from otaku media visionary voices is a production of alliance of women filmmakers and made possible in part by a grant from the department of cultural affairs our website visionary voices podcast.com